Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. Welcome to The Conversion Show. Today is a special day. It's our first in-person interview here. Uh, I am joined by Drew Clark, CEO and founder of California Cowboy, CaliforniaCowboy.com. Um, Drew, you want to share a little bit about California Cowboy? Sure. What you guys are doing? Yeah, we make um, after-sport apparel that's uh, kind of designed to help you enjoy life offline. Uh, so all of our product uh, kind of has design features that enable you to put your phone away. Um, there's a dry pocket on the back of most of our products and... They come with conversation cards that are really fun. They can help you start or stop conversations. Subtle reminders that it's still fun to talk to people in real life instead of just sliding into their DMs. Uh, and then there's also bottle pockets on the back of our shirts and robes. That, can you lock your phone? Uh, we do make a product that we call the pocket pouch that uh, actually prevents electromagnetic signals from getting to your phone. So wow. it's this Faraday cage uh, technology fabric that um, you slide your phone into the pouch and you kind of put it put it down and it's just committing to yourself and your loved ones and your friends that you're not going to look at your phone while you're trying to enjoy life with them. So we're kind of all about celebrating the outdoors, celebrating each other and togetherness. And, you know, we know our way around a few beers too. So, so um, originally based out of San Francisco. Um, you're here and we're in now. Yep. Pop-up store in Fairfax. Yep. Shopify. We are on Shopify. Shopify POS. I was in their store. Uh, in Fairfax, anyone in the area, go check it out. Uh, Shopify POS, Playbion. Let's talk about tech stack here. Um, so I I went into Drew's shop last week, got my robe for the hot tub, and uh, thank you. I use it every day, and the chamois on the inside, perfect. I don't need to towel anymore. Uh, I walked in there, and we started chatting about the last two years of business. And so for today, any retailer that has experienced the third-party cookie demise and what it's done to your business, we're going to hear Drew's story for the last couple of years and then where we are today and how we're moving forward and being successful growing, growing our retail businesses. So with that said, you shared with me your 10x yeah. success. So let's start your Sure. So a lot of trauma here, but um, we'll start with that. Uh, we, we've been around for quite, for kind of a while. We got pretty good at e-commerce in the 20, 2019. And founded in 2016. Founded in 2016, yeah. hit the market in 2017. Had a big bump of the road because our, uh, our store where we were keeping all of our inventory uh, was basically on fire. Um, so we actually literally lost all of our inventory to a fire in the first year um, of running a business, which is pretty tough, um, but kind of recovered in 2018 and then um, really leaned into e-com in 2019. 
um, and got pretty proficient with them kind of in the fall of 2019 and then in 2020, we're really off to the races. Um, now, COVID obviously happened, but we make product that's kind of designed to be outside. And so that was timed pretty and pretty well for us. Uh, COVID caused a significant number of problems for our supply chain, um, but you know, e-commerce was good. So uh, our numbers were so good, in fact, that you know we make really unique and distinctive products, and we were you know we were working with a great agency that was um, really able to do a couple of different things for us. Um, yeah, your price points a little, a little yeah, higher than we're the average. Pre- yeah, we're premium slash luxury price points. So our shirts, you know, then were a little bit less expensive, but you know we've we've had to increase prices because of raw materials and and labor costs. But um, you know, so right now our our shirts range from around one twenty five to to one seventy eight. <laughs> I think shirt that's kind of a shirt jacket. Yeah, and I know Nikki's had her her uh, robe for like I bought it on the Polk Street store. Years ago. So <laughs> we're talking six, seven, I don't know. Yeah. They have the durable, yeah. great products. So, um, you know, we make really great, fun product. We're kind of unique in that our brand is, you know, positioned as an outdoor brand, but there's, there's a, and there's a fun element to it. So, you know, most outdoor brands aren't that fun. Most luxury brands aren't that fun. We're one of the few kind of outdoor of like luxury, premium luxury brands that actually takes our product development and our execution very seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, and, you know, there's beer pockets on a lot of our stuff. So you can imagine, yeah. uh, you know, the way that we think about it. Well, it comes with a koozie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm like, koozie, right? Um, For those those watching the YouTube, here's, here's a koozie that comes with every. Uh, so, yeah, so I know this is going to be filmed, though, we brought some more, uh, more collateral. Is this, is this kind of one, one of our older shirts? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, you know, we make great product and it is really, it works pretty well for online advertising. Um, we got really good at selling it in store and retail, which is what my background is, but we got pretty good at selling kind of putting our value proposition together with, um, with, you know, creative ads. And when we started, we've been on Shopify the whole time, but when we launched our agency, uh, the guy who, you know, was kind of the head of the agency was like, your guys product is awesome. Your brand is awesome. We're driving qualified traffic to your site and it's just not converting. So he's like, we have to redesign your website. Um, we basically took two months off from driving any traffic, invested in redeveloping and redesigning the website, both for a better brand and customer experience, customer journey, um, and brought a new theme into Shopify that was um, more effective and um, we then started driving traffic again after this this guy had kind of done all this work with his team and our numbers just went through the roof. Um, so we were kind of, you know, burning cash on it first. And then all of a sudden we went from like, you know, prospecting ads on social media, Facebook, most primarily Facebook and Instagram. Uh, our meta now. <laughs> uh, we were, you know, we were kind of getting like a, a, a one or a two before the site redesign. And that after we did the site redesign and, and tweaked our creatives a bit, we, in, in many cases, we were between a six and a, and a 13, wow. 14 return on ad spend. So that is basically printing money. I'm like jaw dropping. Like I uh, definitely want to get back to hear what those things were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I can, can talk about that too. Um, but, you know, we were kind of novices when we started and now I know e-commerce pretty well. 
which is standard. Like that's the thing about e-commerce. Like it's very much learn as you go for so many successful people. Yeah. So, um, that was great. We, you know, our numbers were so good that we, you know, we had been kind of pitching investors on our brand and our business for, for a while, but it was in kind of 2020 when we started just absolutely crushing it that people started to really take notice. We were growing pretty quickly and we actually, you know, were able to raise a couple of million bucks in institutional funding. Um, and that was great. So that enabled us to invest in inventory, you know, invest, build our team out a little bit, um, professionalize a few things that we were right, um, scrappily and, uh, and also do some work to kind of refine and brand positioning. Do you think that getting that funding a lot, uh, are you happy you took that money in terms of, did that allow you to do, to grow pour fuel on the fire, so to speak? It, it's certainly been the first you know, year. First year. Um, what at the time the strategy was very much like the strategy for, you know, literally hundreds of other direct consumer, uh, apparel, CPG, you know, anyone in making consumer products, which was grow, 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 and raise your seed, raise your series A, raise your series B, and eventually exit. So we kind of raised our ground at the tail of the bull market. I think if we'd done it a year or two ahead of what we did, it would have been a different story. Um, but what is all explained right now, you know, tell you kind of what happened. So basically back in the 2020, just lighting it up first few months of 2021, we were just absolutely crushing it too. iOS 14, Apple's, you know, kind of privacy, uh, rollout started to take its impact when we had it late February, you know, March, still doing pretty well kind of through the spring by the tail end of kind of like April. And then when we started to get into May, we started to see with the advent of iOS 14 and, and you know, most out of customers, you know, including myself, most of our customers have iPhones, uh, we sell, you know, premium products. So that's, that's who our users are. And most of the traffic is not most of it. It had a significant portion of our, uh, of our traffic was being driven through mobile. Uh, you know, we saw as that adoption kind of started to pick up, it went from, you know, five or 10% of Apple users to 50 to 60 to 70% of Apple users. We just saw our return on that spend up restricted dwindle. So we kind of initially said we, our June is our biggest month of uh, the front half of the year. So we basically spent a ton of money in June to kind of try to by the revenue that we forecasted, but our efficiency was dropping at, at an alarming rate. Um, and we probably should have made some other pivots than, than what we did, but it basically cost us a lot of money to kind of hit the numbers that we wanted. Um, so by the time we got to kind of the end of 2021, when we were trying to go out and raise our Series A, uh, we saw a pretty significant difference in the KPIs that we were just purely from a marketing efficiency perspective. I mean, hearing you speak to each individual month, I mean, I can barely recall what I did two months ago and you have this each month. Uh, how does it feel talking about it today? You know, that was two years ago. Yeah. Hey, it seems like it's fresh in your mind. Yeah. It was a kind of a traumatic experience because things were going so well, uh, for, you know, for a really critical period and kind of 
scaling a business. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it still remains, it's fresh in my mind because of kind of the trajectory of it and, and how it impacted my name and my company. I mean, you're not alone in this. Have, do you, do you have like a group of other retailers you kind of, yeah, it's a lot of you know, the, the direct to consumer businesses have all struggled, um, either to kind of keep their businesses afloat. Um, and in, in many cases they've had to downsize, which has certainly been the case with us. We, you know, really painful, um, having to, to take some of the steps that we did, um, both for me personally and, you know, my team, uh, and our investors. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's things that had to happen that were were really tough and including, you know, what, what you've seen happen now is that all of these businesses that, you know, said they would never open a store, like, guess what? We have to open a retail store because the cost of acquisition online became so inefficient that it actually started to come into parity and was acquiring the customer, you know, walking it off the street to a retail owned and operated retail store. And people also started pivoting to other sales channels like wholesale to not only drives the economies of scale and manufacturing, but to find other ways to lower, you know, the acquisition cost, which was, you know, once very, very efficient online only. And any business that's operating now pretty much has to have an omni channel strategy. You can't just be this digitally native brand. Um, the, the tidal wave of sort of consumer use of e-commerce, uh, that happened kind of through COVID is, you know, it accelerated, but then also that wave really crashed and then rolled back in a way that I think very few people predicted kind of across industries. I mean, pre pre COVID, you know, we were always saying, look, online retail is only, it's still single digits percent of, of yeah. global retail. And then, you know, Harley Inkelstein, he, he spoke a lot about this during COVID of how, you know, we've seen in, you know, what was supposed to happen over 10 years happened in one year in yeah. terms of the shift online. So he rode that tidal wave as, as he spoke of. And what was exciting about the time, you know, as DTCs were emerging is having been a retailer, the ability to so efficiently get to a customer and it cuts out so much red tape with distributors and that entire world. What, so as you are trying to manage this, it sounds like present day, it's about, you know, we can kind of skip maybe forward a little in terms of, cause we don't need to rehash those memories. And a lot of our listeners have lived through that. And for the last two years, you've been living through this. So over these last, we'll go through these last two years adapting and then present day. So adapting, it sounds like, okay, you have an, a brick and mortar store now. You had the one on Polk though. Was that during what year? 20, 2017. Yeah. 20, kind of 2020. Yeah. Joe. The, um, how's it for you? You have a background in retail, so you know, but now you're a DT brand. Now you have to like plug in distribution or like now you're managing a brick and mortar. Now you, are you, are you doing wholesale? A little bit. A little bit. So very, very inventory constrained, mm -hmm. which is kind of the opposite problem that many retailers have had. Um, we we've never had a problem with demand for our product. We had it chipping uh, but you know, initially kind of we were the beginning competent supply chain, kind of getting that caught up. And then with SC, you know, flashing forward, we had to shrink the business aggressively to kind of get off of the growth at any cost. Yeah. 
hamster wheel in which the market was rewarding up through the kind of middle of 2021 uh, into we're actually not going to try to grow. We're going to try to pivot to profitability, which started to reward that that philosophy, that perspective. Technology world's not much different. Very quick, like, uh, so that was a very, very painful pivot that we had to make. Uh, what are, you know, wholesales... Which may shrink your business. Yeah. I mean, wholesale is a different business to run. Are you... And I know um, Shopify and BigCommerce have been working to build that into their software to take it on. Is that, are you seeing other DTC brands like successfully adapt and understand that market? I, I think a lot of people are and it, everyone kind of has their own niche. Um, you know, as far as Shopify goes, Shopify is trying to I think get themselves into the wholesale business, but it's the the economics aren't particularly favorable for brands. Like it really makes sense uh, in a DTC business, but they the way that they kind of charge for wholesale is astronomical. Really, and we looked at it, and the, we just couldn't make we couldn't square that up. We're just like, I have like what it was. We're going to be paying them a ton of money mm -hmm. or very little functionality. Despite the fact that it would make things a little bit easier. So alternatively, you just manage it in-house. Yeah, we manage it. It's not that big bit. No, noted Shopify. Yeah. <laughs> Rather like the Shopify. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're using, how's the POS been? Great. Great. Um, so the other component is now you have uh, a store in Fairfax, California. Yep. Um, what's that? How's that experience been? Uh, it's been good. We we also pivoted our retail. Yeah. Uh, historically, we've been kind of California cowboy, like pretty much just focus on the brand. Um, but one of the things that I don't notice that's happened in the past, you know, five five or ten years is that as the barriers to entry have lowered um, for kind of individual or smaller groups of individuals to get into the consumer markets, whether that's software that's maybe driving e-commerce easier or, you know, the kind of tactical and practical elements of running a small business like accounting uh, and other pieces of software that makes it easier for kind of long, like lone wolves to kind of mm -hmm. much a consumer brand. There's a lot more options on supply chain. There's a lot more options on inventory financing, ways to get your startup up and running, which means that even though e-commerce is really tough, there's still all these people that are being entrepreneurial out there and kind of doing something that they care about and watching brands in smaller scales. And so what we decided to do uh, is, you know, given that there's people still out there trying to do that, but online marketing is, is now really inefficient. Um, I saw this kind of need for these smaller brands to actually have a retail presence because it's actually relatively, you know, it's relatively affordable to acquire a customer if you can be in front of them and actually collaborate with your local community to, to you know drive your sales. So with the store that we opened, we actually brought in multiple local brands, uh, which has been fantastic. Uh, so we kind of anchored the store with California Cowboy, but this new concept, this retail concept that I'm working on, uh, is is pretty unique in that we're able to kind of shine a spotlight on these local brands. And, you know, use their uh, you know, their support network, their community to kind of 
bring three or four brands together and get all of those customers' eyeballs on the other brands. And so it's helpful to kind of grab everybody. The collective. And the collective idea. And Calvin has been able to kind of uh, handle the staff and mm-hmm. training, insurance, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, the overhead of, of retail, when I see these retail stores, I mean, there's historically retail is inefficient. You know, what it costs to run a re- brick and mortar retail store or labor, utilities, you know, price per square foot, it's insane. So if you can share that cost. Yeah. And what we do is we kind of, we've been pretty flexible in working with the brands we work with and trying to figure out does a percent of sales make sense? You know, depending on rent, you know, how much real estate you use. Like, we get small footprints. Apart. And, uh, and we try to go to places where the local community is really strong. Uh, that's what we done. You know, I have lived here. So, mm-hmm. you know, being where you live, Abbott and Fatter Rest is really important. And all these other small brands that couldn't afford to be on their own have been really excited about the opportunity to kind of put themselves in front of customers to work and collaborate with us. Well, what's what I love about e-commerce, it's so efficient. You know, and you can scale. Used to be, right? Well, it's just to operate from operational scale. And I remember you saying that, you know, you know how have you adapted you know, being efficient, you have your warehouses, uh, because in AFTA you found a solution there. Yeah. Leveraging. Yeah. So we use, um, we're working with a, uh, a fulfillment partner called Shipmuck, and that has a number of different locations in the U S but they also um, have a location in Mexico and there's a sort of arcane law that I, you know, not exactly sure when it was passed. But it's called Section 321, and it basically allows you to store inventory in Mexico or Canada uh, and bring it into the U.S. Um, for uh, you know, if it's the orders are underneath a certain threshold, then you don't have to pay for doing so, uh, which is pretty fantastic from a margin perspective. But it's also uh, problematic from a speed to consumer perspective. And you said it was a one-day potential. It usually takes about 24 hours to get product across. Yeah. And you kind of get it in mm-hmm. your hands. So we can't ship overnight like, you know, an Amazon can. And we're obviously competing with, you know, Amazon in terms of the, the customer experience. Um, so that has been a problem. But, you know, we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to improve that. Yeah. So um, the, the collective reminds me thinking of um, present day antique stores where they, you have the big warehouse and each individual antiquer has their own booth. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, so let's talk numbers in terms of you were seeing, I think you said a blended row as of five to seven in the past. But no, we were much higher. Much higher. Yeah. Well, our our blended row is probably around you know, eight to a ten. Eight to a ten. Where are you prospecting in some cases? We were getting up to like a twelve. Twelve. So on some products and you know. You can't, you have to have a great product. You have to have a good website. You have to have, you know, the good creative. There's a lot, a lot of different kind of, you know, levers that have to be in components that have to be in place to have to drive an effective performance marketing strategy, uh, both strategically and tactically. Um, and you, you have to deliver a great product and it has to be, you know, something that the market wants. With that. Where are you today? So other retailers can feel like, okay, like I'm not alone. Yeah. I mean, we were, you know, historically we were, let's just use meta, for example, you know, the prospect in here probably, you know, the seven to 10 or 11 range. 
And now, if you just isolate that over like between one and 0.5, and like, you know, 2.1. Yeah, so two is, yeah. Uh, but it's often more than that. Uh, and what we have tried to figure out is the best way to balance the follow across the different performance marketing chains across Meta, you know, Shoot, Instagram, Facebook, particularly Google, um, and affiliate, and try to, you know, get to a, a ROAS that can give us a blended return on that spend that gets us to a place where the business can be first transaction profit. So, with what is there anything you turned off, so to speak, like retargeting, or is there anything that you just completely shell? Uh, any channels? I mean, Google, we have off for a little bit, um, but Google's actually performed. I want to know. So we how well results in third. Uh, recently. Um, and so that, you know, we had, we, we've kind of experimented with turning different things off, but like, you know, you find this, you can kind of turn them off for like a couple of weeks and then you start to see different stages of the sales funnel break down if you don't have that kind of Constantly love the eyeballs, but you, you know, we've pretty much kept retargeting up the whole time because retargeting has been pretty efficient for us. Uh, but we've experimented with turning up Google and, and Facebook. So it sounds like I'm hearing we tried TikTok, but it's just not great. I was going to ask, are there any other channels? Like our customer base is, you know, 27 to 55. So there's, yeah, those people are, are on TikTok, but we just haven't found it to be super productive for us and you know we our brand is kind of about staying offline so mm. we probably could have a stronger organic social media strategy they're up at 3 a.m with their their child that's up scrolling <laughs> through their instagram getting hit that new wow thing yeah. that they have to have <laughs> okay so let's shift to our final chapter here which is i walked into your store and you're like we're fo we're looking at focusing on optimizing our website yeah what what does that mean to you so we've had a couple of different things come up um our site speed was a little was a little rough around the edges for a while which is particularly challenging um you know on desktop it's like not that big of a deal but on mobile people are just going to immediately flip to something else if you if your site speed is you know operating so we try not to design mobile first but once site speed is an issue. It has a huge impact on your bounce rate. Uh, it has a huge impact on your, your overall conversion. Um, so our site is kind of designed for, for long first. Smart. Uh, Do you know what percentage your traffic? It, it's usually between 16 and 80%. Of traffic is telling the for mobile, but it fluctuates depending on 70s, like DTC brands, we see 70% being a benchmark. Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're right. So I don't think we're, we're all that different. Uh, we, you know, our, our, the theme that we use in Shopify is pretty effective, but I'd say site speed is one of the most important things, but then we are also looking at adding, um, some components into our site that can do a few different things. Our product looks like lifestyle product, but it's actually incredibly technical. Uh, we, and that's the way that we sort of design it. We hide everything in our product. So it looks like I'm wearing a flannel shirt, but this is actually one good piece of fabric. And different pockets and you know, waterproof fabrics and zippers and, and sunglass holders and bottle pockets. And it comes with a bottle holder, it comes with a conversation, it comes with cuisine. 
And so finding the right ways to uh, ensure that we are able to educate our customer on the features and benefits of our product and also talk about our brand, uh, I think we can do a better job of. It's always been the challenge that we've had. Uh, so that's one component, you know, kind of that falls on top of site speed and then uh, there's a sort of a constant need for content that we're always dealing with, we're lagging on. Uh, so that's that's a little bit less about optimization, but it does, I think, have an impact on how things convert. If you have better content on your site, you're going to convert, you know, more effectively and more efficiently if you have content that tells a good story, that looks good, and is kind of true to what you're trying to sell and is an accurate representation of the product of the brand. And then the other part that we're starting to this kind of in the future is how do we start to talk about um, customization of products? So we have a wedding business, for example, and we're not, uh, we're trying to get ourselves to a device where we can actually customize products for, to make them more personal, like embroidery, things like that. And so that's like the next step is you know, those types of things can really help convert. So a little bit larger average audience. So like a, a tool in on the website for them to upload their logo or that's cool. Uh, so there's some of that. And then there's probably, you know, some things we can do with live chat. We're not really an opportunity because we're just, we have, we have some cost. Um, and there's some other kind of lower level, I think, for things we can do like just around truly understanding like heat mapping. Um, you know, what is that like? How do we serve, you know, different, uh, you know, different pieces of content or different products to people based on even where they've been in the past and in A-B testing more aggressively. Um, but the problem is all of a sudden constantly. Okay. Um, and we don't really have a lot of money to burn. And is that something you would try to do in-house or work with? I don't, I don't, we cannot do it in-house. I yeah. have an incredibly salty sport. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, there's a gut shot doing it. We would be looking for something to help us do that. Uh, you know, the thing is that, you know, if you go back, you used to be able to kind of mask your flaws in your site, in your product, in your strategy, in your content, because if you're getting a six, seven, eight return on ad spend at prospecting, nobody's really asking a bunch of questions. When you're prospecting or travel on spend goes down to below two and you're not profitable on your first transaction, all of a sudden you have to start looking at the other components that drive efficiency, which is how are you, you know, tweaking and leveraging and A-B testing your content to make sure that you're getting the most efficient content, you know, third your creatives. Um, how are you looking at the way that your site performs and how people navigate through the customer journey? What is your checking process look like? You have to start looking at those things. What are your sites being like? And all of those things are going to sort of incrementally improve um, your conversion and conversion optimization wasn't really like, it was always something that kind of the bigger brands looked at or the brands that were maybe made kind of mediocre product, right? Mediocre, uh, you know, creatives that were saying like, okay, like they're starting from a base that's, you know, kind of where we are now, but we didn't have to really address it because we were you know, kind of crushing it. And then, you know, now those things are just becoming much, much more critical because you just have to be more efficient if you're going to run a sustainable business. Well, you 
preaching to the choir here on that one. It's yeah, it's the even when we we're running a retail business growing at three hundred percent every year, I didn't care about one to three percent opportunity. It's like yeah, dealing with all this growth, but sustainability is the big thing and conversion optimizations here. Finally, so I love hearing that. Um, and because we're here in person, uh, Drew and I are going to hop off and we're actually going to tear into California Cowboy and check out the product pages, check out the customer journey, lead capture, everything. And so with that, I will, uh, I'll post up what we, what we find, uh, and just links to, to, in addition to this podcast, um, <clears throat> with that, I say we get to work. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Drew. All right. Take care.